everyone, I'm Ari Meglin here with Rachel Poli and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer Podcast. We are on episode 121 and this week's question is, what are some good marketing strategies? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoy our episode, please do give it a like, write a review, share it with friends. Get it out there, people. Okay, so in case you didn't know, marketing is selling. You are selling your book, but also yourself. So before you actually think about the strategy, you need to define your success. What do you consider success to be for you? And by that, I mean, not the nebulous, huge, want to be the best-selling author, you know, on the New York Times best-selling list forever and live in a mansion with peacocks on the lawn. We're not talking that. We're talking your success for the single book you are publishing at the time. Okay, it helps to come up with the specific success line for you. That way, if you fall short of the marker, you can then use the data and make better choices next time. And you will need to think like that because everyone who publishes their book first, there'll always be things you did in the first book launch that don't work, that the next book launch, you'll want to do something different. So what is your definition of success? Is it selling a certain number of books in a certain number of weeks or months? Is it making a certain number of money? Is it getting a certain number of reviews? What about number of newsletter subscribers? Your success goal can actually be several of these. You know, it doesn't have to be you only want to sell X number of books or you only want to make X amount of money. It could be that you want to get 50 reviews. You want to sell 100 books. You want to make however much money. Consider your definition of success carefully and be realistic. If you are self-publishing a book, you are unlikely to hit like record sales in the first week of your book being launched, unless it's something completely different that like wows the world. The best way to do this is check out average book sales for launch weeks, for the first year, for the first three years, aim it for the genre that you write, things like that, and then use that data to make your defined success levels. That way you've kind of set yourself up with parameters. So say your biggest thing is you just want a certain number of reviews because you understand it's your first book, getting exposure is more important. That way you can tailor some of your marketing strategies that link more towards getting reviews. That can be sending out more arcs, bringing in more beta readers, things like that. So it does actually help to know what your success level looks like so you can aim for it rather than kind of just flailing about wildly. So that is my first thing. Before you even think about strategies, define your success level. Yeah, that's everybody listen to Ari because that's a really good place to start. If you're going to start writing a book and you want to sell it and make a career and stuff out of it, like you really need to figure out your goals and what what your end goal is or define your success as Ari said, because success is a term that everybody defines differently, depending on what you do in life, where you are in your journey and so on and so forth. So you can, when it comes to writing your books, you definitely need to sit down and figure out where do I want to get with my writing? What do I want to get out of my books? Like, how can my books work for me? Um, So that's definitely really good place to start. Didn't even think of that. Yeah, I agree with everything that Ari said. You need to sit down and before you even start thinking of marketing strategies, you need to kind of evaluate yourself in a way and figure out, yeah, where do I want to get with my books and define your success? And I think this is going to sound a little negative and I really don't mean it to sound that way, but I think when you sit down to define your own success when it comes to, you know, publishing your books, I think you should also define your failure as well. 
I know this is kind of going off topic from what are good marketing strategies, because what do you do when you don't reach that number of views or you don't reach that amount of money? You kind of need to figure out where to improve. And because uh, sometimes when we define our success, we're not always realistic with what that success is. I think that's pretty good to kind of figure out both sides of the coin and say, okay, this is this is what my success is. This is what my failure is. This is what I will do if I am successful. This is what I will do if I fail my success. Not that you're a failure, but just, you know, if I don't reach my goals and then you got to tweak your success, things like that. Actually, defining what would be considered like a failure in a way is actually a good idea because I think we get into our own heads about what we want to be successful. And if we fail to hit those, it's really negative and kind of it's hard to shake that off. It makes you feel a bit like, oh, that was rubbish. I didn't didn't do anything I wanted. It failed miserably and it makes you miserable. Whereas if you set yourself up with that, this is success. This is failure. This is what I'm going to do when I succeed. This is what I'll do when I fail. It kind of shapes you a bit different. You think differently. So rather than going, oh, it didn't work. They're like, oh, it's okay. I have a plan for that. So it makes you more active rather than reactive. So instead of sulking and not publishing anything for ages because something went wrong, you pull out your list of what I'm going to do if it doesn't work, what, how can I tweak it? And then you move forward. So I think mentally it's a good idea to do that. It puts you psychologically in the right position to not get too down about it and just move forward. So yeah, definitely listen to Rachel. She knows what she's talking about. I sometimes know what I'm talking about, but I think in terms of marketing strategies, We've said this before, marketing, book marketing in general, it's all trial and error. And you need to like figure out what works with your audience, what works with your potential readers and stuff. So I think when you define your success, when it comes to marketing strategies, if you define your failure as well, it's like, okay, I'll market my book this way. And if that works, great. I'll see if I can improve upon it or just not touch it at all. If it's working, don't, don't try to fix what's not broken. But if it fails then you have a plan B involved and you're like, okay, well, this specific marketing tactic did not work for my mystery book. So let's see if this marketing tactic works. And then that way you kind of, you have a backup plan in a way. And Ari said it very nicely. You're, you're more, you're more active than reactive. And, and she's right. It doesn't put you in a depressive slump. Like if you, you know, same thing, if, if you fail with anything, you're kind of like, oh, I suck. But you won't have to feel like that because you've planned for it. You know you're a failure deep down, so you've planned for it and prepared for it. That's a joke. I'm not actually calling all of you failures, by the way. So I'll go ahead to my next point and say that one of the ways that you can define your your book marketing success is if you hype up the book before you publish it and use word of mouth. I think word of mouth is one of the best ways that you could possibly market your book. For example, you can go through the writing process with your readers through your website, blog, or author email list. These people are the most interested and they will get excited and tell their friends and then be the first in line to buy your book when it releases. So you can hype up the book beforehand by sharing exclusive content with your email list or have a private password protective page on your blog for these certain readers. Like you can send out the password to your email list and say, hey, if you want exclusive book updates and news, you can go to this page on my blog. Don't share the password with anybody, blah, blah, blah. And uh, this exclusive content can be anything such as deleted chapters, excerpts, character sketches or interviews setting aesthetics, creating a soundtrack for your book, sharing your writing space, your writing process, how you were inspired to write the book, and so on and so forth. The content opportunities are endless. 
And again, these people are, if people are signing up for your email list and they're reading your author website, then these people are certainly interested in your book. And if you really hype them up, then they'll be able to use word of mouth and hype other people up and it'll just be a chain reaction. Exactly. You've got to hype the book up. And it can't wait till you finish the book. It can't wait till you publish the book. You lose so much momentum waiting until the books were finished and polished and everything. The writing journey is important. And people do like hearing about that. I love hearing about stuff like that. I always get the most fun from following authors when it's their, their journey, especially new authors who are getting excited for their debut book. And like coming up with their idea to creating their characters to sharing snippets oh my god it's brilliant and their excitement is really contagious you can see how much they love their story how much they love their characters they get excited to show you to share the book cover they get excited to share character profiles and pictures you get pulled along for the ride and it's brilliant it's so exciting and i appreciate that it's not always easy most writers not all most writers are introverts most writers suffer from imposter syndrome which we've talked about and the idea that someone out there is interested in your book especially when it's not finished is interested in your characters is interested in your story is interested in anything you have to say let's be honest this part of it's like no why would anyone give a crap about what i have to say people rachel and i are recording on a podcast and people listen to it we didn't think that would ever happen we wanted to do it we were excited to do it but we didn't sort of set up with the idea that we'd have guests reaching out to us, asking to be on our podcast. We honestly thought we would have to chase people all the time. We thought that we would be lucky to get 20 people signing up to follow us on YouTube. As of recording this, we're over 100. That is super impressive to us. But yeah, you need to get past that imposter syndrome or, you know, fine, accept it, but put it out anyway. Put the things out. Let people decide whether or not they want to know more about your book. Honestly, the likelihood is someone out there is interested and they want to read your book and they will be on your journey. So do it anyway. Suck it up. Deal with the fear. Deal with the imposter syndrome. Put it to the back of your mind and do it anyway. That's my pep talk. It was a lovely pep talk, Ari. I applaud you. I'm at that age now where I'm just a grumpy old woman and I'm just, I'm just not taking any crap anymore. But anyway, let's move on to the next point before I get on another rap. Create a list and use a calendar. Six months before your book launches to your actual launch to about three to four months after the launch should be times when you're marketing your book intensely. Now, that's a lot of time, I admit. So how do you do that? Firstly, you create a list of marketing ideas such as blog tours, speaking events, interviews, collaborations, newsletter takeovers, giveaways, FAQs live on social media, book reveals, book trailer reveals, things like that. We're talking the bigger meatier marketing ideas not smaller things like creating graphic teasers you should be doing that like well early on to, to hype the book up as Rachel said this is more the launch window six months before three to six months after and the actual week so when you've got your list you then need to start finding people and places slash companies for these things that could mean a list of blogs to do tours on podcasts to do interviews the local libraries or bookshops that you can do a speaking event at. So that's what you got your list. Then you need to start breaking them down and putting people or blogs or places connected to each one of them. Then you need to start reaching out to these people. And seriously, early, the earlier, the better, especially if it's a big 
it's it's like a big blog or a podcast with a large following or anything like that. These people will often have things booked up really far in advance. So this is why you do it as soon as possible. You make your list, you find the people and you reach out to them. And I cannot stress this enough. Always take the time to read their guidelines and submission requirements. It's there for a reason. It helps. It just smooths everything out. If they have to keep going back to you and asking questions that you should have answered the first time you reached out, if you'd have read their submissions, you're going to get blacklisted. You're going to get put to the bottom of the pile. Nobody's going to want to bother. So don't do that. Seriously, we hate that. As podcasters and bloggers, we really hate that. Okay, next, you get your calendar. And every time someone says, yes, you can be on our podcast. Yes, we'll be happy to do a part of the blog tour for you. Yes, you can come and do a speaking event at the bookstore. Put it in the calendar. Get it marked down. That way, you can then start building up your marketing information around that. So say you have a speaking event at a local library on a Friday. You could then on the Monday put a note on about that on the calendar to remind you that you need to start plugging that event probably actually the week before. And then you can start creating graphics and hyping that up. And it just gives you a nice, clean vision of what you need to be doing and when. And it also helps you to spread things out, because if you're not careful and you book too many things, you might end up with a week jam packed full of events and then three months of nothing. So try and spread it around. And again, if you reach out to these people early enough, you've got a better chance of picking dates that work for you and spreading everybody out than if you wait to the last minute and go, hey, my book launch is in two weeks. Can I do a blog tour with you? No. No, that doesn't work. Again, once you've got your, your, like, your dates marked in, it's always a good idea to put a reminder a week or two weeks before. Also, not just to make sure you're putting marketing about that event or interview, but also to make sure you remember to gather any necessary information about it. So sometimes you might need copies of your book. Sometimes you might need your media kit. I mean, a lot of these places will want that early, but not everybody. And if they haven't asked for it, you can either go to them early and say, do you need this? Or at least have it ready so you can send it. And obviously, once you've done all that and people have helped you, make sure you say thank you. Make sure you also advertise it. Like, I know I mentioned it, but you'll be surprised how many times people don't do that. If someone's invited you on to do an event or an interview, you need to also hype it. It's not up to just the blog owner, the podcaster, the library to do all the marketing about it. You also need to do it. And it's kind of nice to also mention other things that they've done. Like if your library has hosted you, yeah, talk about it. But then maybe mention some other things that the library does, you know, kind of send more positivity their way. Just a thought. And one quick point about this, don't use your calendar for anything else. This is your book marketing calendar. You do not want it jammed up with doctor's appointments, kids' play dates, vet appointments. You just want this one calendar for your book marketing because you'll be surprised at how many things kind of creep up, especially if you do it well and you do it within a good space of time and you fill in as much as you can. Obviously, you don't want to fill six months where you're doing something every day. That's ridiculous. But you should be doing something every week, Try even if it's something small or something big. So you don't want to try and put your book marketing in the middle of the family calendar. Nobody wants to see that. So yeah, make a special one that's just for that. Keeping a calendar and a list is a really, really good idea. And I do agree with Ari that if you're going to keep a book marketing calendar, it should just be for your book marketing. And also, as Ari mentioned, don't fill up something with every single day. Because the thing is, if you're on a podcast, for example, you don't want to do three interviews on three different podcasts, like three days right in a row. 
but also like you want to give each interview its own individual attention like if you interview on a podcast and then once that goes live if you're if another interview of yours goes live the very next day then it's like well on monday you're like hey i was over here on the merry writer podcast go check it out and then on tuesday you're like oh i'm over here now and then people are like well wait where i didn't have a chance to look at yesterday's interview but i guess that's that doesn't matter anymore i'll just check out today's interview and then not only are you losing an opportunity for people to learn more about you and your writing and you know give a listen or read your guest post or anything like that but you're also taking a little bit of an audience away from the person who gave you a space on their platform so yeah as i said definitely space it out keep the calendar trust for your book marketing and it'll be so much easier to uh, keep track of it all and again, I do agree, you should create a list first, and then you should try to figure out where each thing can fit into the certain days. If you're like me, you can also try to assign each day a certain thing. Like if you're going to write a guest post for somebody, and if that goes out on a Wednesday, then you can try to write blog posts on Wednesdays, and podcast interviews can be a certain day, and you can just try to Try to finagle it. Obviously, you have to cater to other people's schedules, not just your own, but like virtual things that you do yourself, whether it's for your social media or for your own website, you can set up a certain schedule so that people know what to expect from you every single day. It's like, oh, it's it's fan character Friday on this author's Instagram where they showcase fan art that people have created from their about their characters from their book. And they they post it all over their Instagram story, you know, just things like that. And it'll that in itself can get people hyped up about your book, because not only are you are you talking about your own work and you're saying, hey, I did a thing, but you're also showcasing your readers and stuff, too. So people can, you know, people can be like, oh, hey, look, I was featured by this author because I created this fan art from about their protagonist. And uh, it's pretty cool. You should go check it out. And then people could be like, wow, that's really cool fan art. Also, this book sounds good. Let me go pick it up. It works. Word of mouth, people. And planning, planning. Please plan. Just plan. I know I'm a type A person, but and not everybody is like that. But please just just plan, 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 plan. That's all I can say. That should just be this whole episode. What are the best marketing strategies? Just plan it. Plan it and write stuff down because you'll forget and then you'll be sad. With that said, I'll go on to my next point. In a nutshell, just make your mark. I think it's not necessarily like a marketing strategy, I guess, but I guess it kind of goes along with what I was just saying. And I think making your mark can certainly help as writers. We all go through trials and tribulations of writing, editing, and, you know, just publishing a book in general. But if you share your story and explain your process from start to finish about writing your book, once it's published and out in the world, you can share things you would have done differently and expose the mistakes that you made and how you learned from them or what you did to learn from them. And not only are you being transparent to your readers, but you're also helping other writers. Thus, you're expanding your audience and people may say, this author knows what they're talking about, so let me go check out their book. Because again, as, as authors, like obviously we want to build an audience of readers, but we also kind of want to have an audience of writers too, because even though most of us are introverts, it's good to have writer friends so that they know what we're going through and things like that. And you can do collabs with other writers that write in, your, in the same genre and so on and so forth. I think that can really help a lot it, if you don't necessarily need to market your book all the time. You don't need to necessarily say, here's a deleted chapter, here's an excerpt, or, you know, here's here's a 
pretty picture of the castle that they live in, that the characters live in. You don't always have to do that. You can go on your social media and your own website and you can just be like, this is a really cool recipe that I made the other day and I ate it for dinner and it's delicious and I wanted to share it with you. I think this specific character would really like this recipe. Here you go. Because then you're giving more to your readers rather than just shoving a book down their throat. And you're just kind of showing them that you're a human and that you're you're another person. And uh, you can find more similarities and more things that you have in common with your readers than just your book. That was a bit ranty, rambly, but I'm going with it. I actually have nothing to add to that. So all I can say with that is uh, I concur. I concur with everything that Rachel said. She just said it so succinctly, so I'm just going to move on. My next point is consider your audience. Now, if you haven't caught our episode about your ideal reader, we will make sure to link it. But we did cover that, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about that. But it's about thinking about who your audience is, picking your ideal reader, and then using your marketing to target certain areas. So depending on the age of your ideal target audience and your ideal reader, might depend on the best place to do your marketing location-wise. So if they spend all their time on Facebook, there is zero reason you should be putting all your marketing on TikTok. Not saying you shouldn't do anything on a different platform. If the majority of the people who you think are the best fit for your book are in one specific place or mostly in a specific place, that is where you put your majority of your effort. You also need to think about different media. So... A lot of people, especially the younger people, seem to really connect to videos, things like that. Whereas some people prefer just audio or some just static pictures. Again, you should always do a mix of everything. But if you are aware that your target audience specifically seems to go more towards one type of media than the other, then that is what you should aim for. And to figure that out, data. Most social media platforms have some form of analytics You can find all sorts of, again, free videos and classes that will cover how to work out the analytics, where you can find the sort of people who would be your target audience, and then what to do with that data, how to sort of extract and extrapolate the information that you need to make the best choices. I do agree. You definitely need to consider your audience and, you know, post different media on the different platforms and uh, wherever your target audience and your ideal reader happens to frequent. But I also want to play, I don't know if this is technically devil's advocate or not, but I do want to add, you shouldn't be on every single platform, which I I know we've talked about this before. You should only choose like one, maybe two platforms tops, but you definitely want to consider your audience, but you also want to consider yourself as well. If you're mainly marketing on TikTok, and you hate TikTok, and you don't like making videos, then TikTok isn't going to be the right place for you. Because it doesn't matter if your audience is there. If your heart's not in it, then your marketing strategies are just going to go out the window. No one's going to really see it on their For You page or anything. So definitely keep that in mind. Scope out which platforms you have the most fun with, and you can see yourself consistently making great content for and actually enjoying yourself while doing so rather than just being like oh it's monday i have to post a picture on instagram about my cup i don't know i don't don't know (laughs) that is a good point yeah i mean that's the sort of thing if you if you really feel like wow everyone who would read my book is on tiktok and i hate tiktok if you really think that you should post on tiktok outsource it you know find a family member who loves tiktok and see if you can throw a bit of cash at them or, you know, free pizza, I don't know, and get them to do a few videos for you. Or go on fiverr.com or something like that, where you just sort of commission people to do a certain set of things, especially if it's around your launch 
window and everything that might be quite useful for doing areas you don't like or coming up with like a set of 10 facebook posts there are people on fiverr that will do like clusters of posts for you so yeah again small things like that that you just don't want to do you can outsource them obviously if you don't want to spend any money or you can't have you don't have a family member you can exploit then yeah just don't bother (laughs) about exploit i don't mean anything like you know making them work 12 hours a day on your tiktok that's not right 11 hours is fine so (laughs) anyway let's move on Uh, the last point i'm going to make is not everything works for everyone. I know there's a million people out there all saying, this is how I did my book launch. And, and obviously we, we have a podcast where we're saying, this is what we do, or this is what I think works. But in the end, every writer is different. Every, every fan of genre reacts differently. So you could, and you should, see what other authors are doing, learn about the techniques that they use for their launches or just their regular marketing. And definitely try anything that you feel works for you or that would be something you'd enjoy doing. Because let's be honest, marketing's bad enough. Like, anything that seems interesting, do it. But just because it succeeded for one author or several authors doesn't mean it's going to succeed for you. So again, let's use TikTok. If some author is absolutely crushing it on TikTok with all their videos, and then you post every day on TikTok and you have really great videos and they don't work, that happens. So it just means it's not a fit. So then move on to something else. Don't just copy an author, especially a successful author, well, this is the this is the you know five step stage that they did. I have copied it exactly, and it's not working. Yeah, it happens. There's so many variables you don't see, so you have to be willing to adapt and pivot and change. Don't copy somebody else's ideas, copy their marketing strategy, and then get really grumpy when it doesn't work for you. Amend it. Try something else. Figure out what did work and work more onto that. But yeah, don't go into assuming that just because somebody else made it big by doing YouTube videos or creating courses or doing lives means that you doing the same is going to work. It might not. And that's okay. You'll find your specific way of doing marketing by just trying different things. Okay, with that said, I'm going to wrap up this episode. So let's do a very, very, very quick recap. Define your success. Hype up your book before publishing and use word of mouth. Create a list of marketing ideas and people connected to those marketing ideas that can help make a calendar, start adding those things in so you have a nice timeline that you can follow, make your mark, consider your audience, and not everything you try is going to work. So in the end, just just try. Try lots of things, especially if you're writing more than one book, because each time you do it, something else is going to come up and you'll find new ideas. And let's be honest, things change. A couple of decades ago, we didn't have TikTok videos weren't on Facebook and Instagram. You know, technology is changing all the time. People are changing. I mean, we had a pandemic where you couldn't even go and do like book signings. So you have to be ready to change and move with the times and try different things, even things you're not always comfortable with. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's turn it over to you guys. What are some of your marketing strategies? We'd love to chat about them. Tell us your answers in the comments below. If you want more of the Mary Writer podcast, then please be sure to follow us on Podbean, YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for as little as $1 a month, you can join us over at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Mary Writer podcast for bonus content. It helps to keep our show going and we really appreciate the support. In the meantime, tune in every Wednesday for a new episode of the Mary Writer podcast where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Writer's Block. We hate our brains. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.